Moncrief on News Talk. Stuff that changed the world. The mobile phone. The internet changed the world. Penicillin, I would have thought. I would say sanitation. It changes everything. Simon Tierney joins us once again to talk about something that presumably in many uh, pubs and restaurants uh, across the country we'll be hearing them dinging merrily uh, as uh, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, indoor dining and drinking opens up again. That being uh, the cash register or the till. The till, beautiful yeah. sound. The yeah. till opening, Sean. It we call it the till in England and Ireland ah. only, really. I should say the UK and Ireland only. Uh, in America, it's called the cash register. Indeed, when it was first patented in the 1870s, that's how it was described. We call it the till because before this machine was invented, cash was kept in a drawer under the counter of a shop or a tavern or what have you. Mm, you would um, fumble in your greasy till. Uh, in- indeed. Yes, yes. And it comes from the Middle English word tillin which means drawer. So that's essentially why we call it that. Um, But it was the Yanks um, who invented this machine, as they tend to do. And um, it was invented in 1879 by a man by the name of James Ritty. And it's very much an Ohio invention, a state in America which we have discussed in terms of the history of technology a number of times on this uh, series, Sean, including the invention of the traffic light also goes to the state of Ohio. Okay, good for them. (laughs) Good for them indeed. So um, it's interesting to examine the motivation behind this because <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, when I first chose this topic, I didn't realise that this would be such a big issue. But the reason it was invented by James Ritty in 1879 was because his staff in his pub, which was called the Pony House, were skimming. Mm. And skimming was a big problem in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. And the only way to stop your staff doing that was to come up with uh, some innovative way to stop it. And he decided oh. to invent the cash register. So if James Ritty had paid his uh, staff a fair a wage, then this yeah. might never, we might never be having this conversation. <laughs> exactly. uh, so, but, but then again, if you're starting from scratch, that's a tricky one to do. So how, do you, how was his machine configured or designed? It's an astonishing uh, machine. It's an astonishing object, Sean. It's a wood wooden object. Um, this fairly much the same size as a cash register today, but in the front of it, it had two main things to it. First of all, it was a row of keys, uh, one to nine uh, for dollars and five to 95 for cents. That's in five cent increments. Mm. So five cent, 10 cent, 15 cent. So you wouldn't have a a price that was outside of Mm. the remit of those numbers. And above that, you had a clock face. And the idea was that when you punched in a number, so say the product that you were buying, a pint of ale was, uh, I don't know, 65 cent, then you would press six and you would press five. And those numbers were calculated on the clock face on the front. So Mm. you could get a total and then there was a total sales for the day function in it as well. It didn't sell. It wasn't a success. Nobody wanted it. He refined Mm. his design to include a travelling paper receipt at the top. So every time you pressed a key, it punctured uh, a pinprick 
Um, so each key had a pin in the back of it, a sharp pin, and that created a puncture in the receipt, which advanced to the side after each sale. So at the end of the day, you could take out the roll of receipt and you could see how many pin pricks are in the 25 cent column, how many pin pricks are in the $1 column, and you could add them all up and you could see your total sales for the day. Then you could, um, I suppose, uh, cross-reference that with the amount of cash in the till, and then you could see whether or not the amount of sales corresponded with the amount of income and cash and then you could tell if your employees were skimming or not. Right, okay. And I suppose it's a, a lot of people listening who worked in, in, in all sorts in shops and bars, even banks, you can, things don't balance up and then you're an hour late at work trying to figure out no, why absolutely. there's too much or too little in the, in the And, and that's, that's exactly the reason why suddenly this became a success. There was a businessman in Dayton, Ohio, who took a punt on this. He bought two for his pubs and shops in, in that city at $100 each, which when I put this into an inflation dollar calculator on Friday afternoon, I realised that they cost in today's money $2,600 each. Wow. So they were very, very expensive. His name was John Patterson and he could not believe after one week how suddenly everything was balancing for the first time in a long, <laughs> long time. <laughs> and no doubt his employees were very upset as well. Uh, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if a lot of his employees go, I'm going to go work elsewhere. You know, that doesn't have a, um, doesn't have a class. Well, what he did was, Sean, he put a bell and a drawer on it. So before he came along, there was no drawer. Mm. But when he put the drawer on, it instigated a bell sound. So it meant that managers, people in managerial positions knew when the till itself was opening Mm. so they could look over the shoulder of the employee and make sure that there was no skimming going on. And this is the time when below cost pricing first happens. Uh, Sorry, not below cost pricing, but just below prices is what it's called in the trade. Now, I always thought, and I suppose there is an element of this, that if you buy um, something for €1.99, that the incentive is that you're not paying €2. You're Mm. paying under €2 for the product. And there's a kind of a a psychological uh, consumer thing going on there where we're kind of tricked into buying something. But the origins of that style of pricing is actually about preventing employees from skimming again. And how that worked is that if you bought a product for $2 and you come to me as the cashier, I don't need to open my till because I take $2 from you and you don't require any change. However, if you come to me with a uh, a product that costs $1.99, ah. then I have to open the till. The bell has to go off because you require change. And that's when... Um, that type of pricing began. It was out of the same motivation as why this machine was developed in the first place. That's extraordinarily clever. That really is. Now, are we at this stage of the game? Are we still just talking about an, an, a, a, a phenomenon in Ohio, or was it did it start to spread around the United States at least initially? Yeah. So this Patterson figure that I mentioned, he bought the company from the Ritty brothers. He turned it into the National Cash Register Company, which still is a market leader. Still completely dominates the market to this day. Very, very successful company. Um, And he sold his first ones to this part of the world, to Liverpool, actually, in 1886. That was for the International Exposition in that city. 
in that year. And that's when the, the word till first comes into use. But it's interesting, Ireland jumped on this bandwagon very efficiently, very quickly. 1892 is the earliest example that I could find in my research of trudging through the Irish newspaper archives of when they were first advertised in this country. I came across an ad from the Evening Herald in 1892 when I was looking at this on Friday and the ad says, quote unquote, it is an extraordinary fact that some people do a large retail business where every transaction is profitable yet do not ultimately succeed. The National Cash Register is the only means by which security from losses can be attained. And it's extraordinary to see in that Irish advertisement, it is the exact same sentiment as when it was invented uh, less than 20 years before. It is about shopkeepers Mm. safeguarding their profits from their employees constantly. That is constantly the motivation. And they were a huge success. Yeah, and within a very short uh, period of time, I would say. It's remarkable, Sean. Uh, By 1908, there were 25,000 tills on this island. And were they still made by the American company or, or, or still were there imitators? Still made by the American company, yeah. And um, they were shipped over here. Uh, as I said, this was the National Cash Register. It was just an extraordinarily successful company. They did a very clever scheme with Irish businesses beginning in the late 19th century where you would put a down payment as a shopkeeper or a publican or a hotel manager on a cash register mm. Um, and then you would pay in monthly installments the balance. So these were very, very expensive machines, as I said. These were in modern day, in contemporary currency, thousands of, do- of, of euros worth of money uh, that you would be investing as a business owner. So it wasn't feasible to buy one out. You would put a down payment and then you would pay in installments over one or two years, say. And there were, uh, now, the, in, what, in terms of what they were made from, uh, did that change over a period of time? Mm. Because they, like the old cast iron ones are quite beautiful. Yeah, they were very ornate, very Victorian mm. um, cast iron, uh, particularly brass. Um, brass was really the material of choice from the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Before that, they were made of wood. Um, but the, the brass ones were uh, made it largely in America. And... Um, the largest brass foundry in the world was operated out of Dayton, Ohio, where the company was Mm. based. And that's why to this day, uh, uh, that era is often called the brass era. And they really were very, very beautiful, Sean, very ornate, the designs for them. You see them in old movies all the time uh, with the hand crank on the side, which is where they got their energy from to open the, the drawer and the bell and all the rest. And I suppose the computer age just probably wiped them out, really, in terms of a business. People don't use them anymore. Yeah, I mean, you will see cash registers, some tills in some older corner shops Mm. around the country to this day, but they are largely a thing of the past. Nowadays, if you go into a large high street supermarket um, or or clothing store or what have you, it's all computerised now, unfortunately. Yeah, Yeah, and also it kind of puzzles me because, you know, there's a kind of a touchpad and it doesn't matter what you're buying. But it seems to take longer, uh, whereas before 
you come up and they pressed a combination of buttons, the thing would shoot open, you you know, you'd give the money or whatever, and, and that was it. But now it's like they you kind of go up with your thing, and then they have to type a small essay onto a screen. And you don't know Maybe why. What are you putting in there? Thoughts on your on you as a Maybe, shopper? Maybe, yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> this guy's an asshole. Dear diary, not feeling, not feeling it today. Fascinating story, uh, uh, nonetheless. Uh, were those one-armed bandit gambling machines modelled on the cash register as a sort of power suggestion thing? Uh, probably, uh, uh, quite possibly. Yes, that is the case. Uh, Simon, thanks a million uh, uh, for telling us about that. Simon Tierney there uh, telling us today history of the cash register. Moncrief on News Talk.